Good afternoon. So whenever I am asked to speak and I haven't spoken there before, there's a book of the Bible that uh, I always enjoy, and it seems at the beginning of a new year, the message of Joshua chapter 1 is especially appropriate. And so as we come to Joshua chapter 1, I want you to, to have a question in your mind. What are the challenges in your life where you need godly courage? Okay? So before we read, I want you to just think about that question. And I want to set it up for us because Joshua, he was facing a place in his life where there was a challenge. Now, I don't know if you've ever had in your life things that went wrong in a sort of epic way. Well, the person before Joshua, his name was Moses. And his job was to take the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. And so he sent some spies and was making plans. And the people just flat out rebelled against him, against God. They weren't going to do it. And so they were disciplined by being sent into the desert for 40 years. And now Joshua, he's the new guy being given the job, bring him in. Do the task that didn't get done last time. And so you might appreciate for him there'd be a little bit of trepidation, maybe a little bit of a sense of, do I really want to be here doing this? And so even as Joshua was spoken to by God, I want you to think about how in your life God's word speaks for the areas of your life that might need godly courage. Let's read Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. This is God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, 
Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we'll obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. We thank God for it this afternoon. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word. And I just pray that in our hearts your spirit would be present, that you would work to take this your word and make it not simply understandable to us, but make it so it transforms our hearts and directs us to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to imagine the following scene at a prominent university. So what does a university seek to do, after all, but bring in students in order to teach them the best things of a culture, of a community, so that they can take their skills and then use them to further, further good, to further a particular worldview, um, to advance the cause of humankind. Universities, maybe they have not had that name throughout time, but they have existed for a very long time. And in fact, I would say that there was a place some well, what to say, about 2,600 years ago, in a place called Babylon. We could call it Babylon U. And there were students that were brought into the university from all around the world of that time and place. And they weren't brought in by recruiting videos. They were brought in by military force. And it's interesting to note that the book of Joshua would have first been widely circulated around the time of Daniel, around the time that God's people went into exile in Babylon. And I've always thought it's just a really interesting frame to read this text with that idea in mind. So what was it that gave Daniel the courage to stand up to the university president, i.e. the king of Babylon, and to say, no, I won't do it your way. 
what gives God's people courage? Well, for Daniel and his friends, they had courage because they knew that even though life wasn't good at the moment, yet still, in the midst of exile, in the midst of trouble, God was there. And so I want us to just think for a moment. What does courage look like in our time and place? Daniel, he was able to stand before the king and say, I will not eat your food. His friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to stand before the king and say, I won't worship your idols. What does it take for us so that we can say, we have courage? Now, there are plenty of challenges in our time and place. You know, at the, somewhere on the list, there's this thing called a pandemic going on. Like, that can be mildly challenging, highly disruptive. Idolatry? Well, listen, if idolatry was common in Babylon, it's pretty common in Minneapolis, too. There are idols of success, of materialism, of self-fulfillment, of sexual fulfillment. All of these different idols that call out to us, even as the idols then did, and say, if you have me, you'll have it all. And every idol then, and every idol since then, and every idol now, makes that call to us. If you have me, you'll have it all. And yet we're called, instead of going from idol to idol to idol, over to this idol and that idol, we're called to a sense of long obedience in the same direction. That's a quote from a pastor by the name of Eugene Peterson. He said this is one of the things he learned about in his life, that what God wants is long obedience in the same direction, not success, not performance, but faithful obedience in the same direction, day upon day upon day. So I kind of want that big idea to be in front of us. That even as Joshua came to, or God came to Joshua and said, here's the task before you, this overwhelming task. What are you called to, Joshua? To courage, to strength, to obedience. I want to ask the question then, well, how is that sort of courage possible? How could you and I have that sort of godly courage for our lives? I want us to see three different ways that God makes that sort of courage possible for our lives. And the first is that it is built upon God's promises. In our text, we see God's promise reiterated to Joshua. Verse 5, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As I was, well, just exactly how 
was God with Moses? Well, Moses had a decree of death upon him before he was born. So that was the first thing, is that the Pharaoh in Egypt had said, all of the male boys of the Hebrews are to be killed. So the first thing was he or he survived a decree of death. He was not killed. So that's a, you're still alive, right? I mean, maybe that sounds pretty basic, but if you're alive and you're here, or if you're watching online, like, that's big. Life is a gift. Take it today. Be like, praise the Lord that no matter what is going on, while I yet have breath, the Lord has preserved me to serve him for this day. And I think this is a really important concept, and I had this kind of brought home to, to me this week. My, my wife's, and yeah, I'll try and get it sorted. My wife's brother's wife, my sister-in-law, right? Her, her dad is expected to pass away from COVID today, from complications for COVID. He's not that old, about 60 years old. And just have come this week to kind of have that sense of life is just such a gift. And when you fa face death, there's that sense of, well, wait a minute, if I have life, that's a gift from God. So God preserved Moses' life so that he didn't die. That, that was number one. That's, that's huge. Well, then God called Moses. He gave him a task to do. And he said, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let all the people go. Let all of his slaves go. Well, you might imagine how Pharaoh took that news. Not well. And so Moses kept going, and what happened is the Lord began to do a bunch of signs. And the river turned to blood, and the cattle died, and... There were these ten different plagues because Pharaoh wouldn't listen to the Lord. And Moses was the spokesperson. Well, his brother came along to help him. But he was the guy. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord did amazing things in and through him. And finally, Pharaoh said, get out of here. And so Moses was leading the Israelites out. But then there's this problem. How do we get across the Red Sea? And the Lord, again, does a miracle, parts the waters, the people walk through. They are safe. They are saved. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any waters parted recently. I can only imagine that this was kind of a mind-blowing experience, right? Like, if you saw that, you would say, surely the Lord is great. Surely the Lord has power and strength. And then, as they're going through the desert, they need food. It comes from the sky. They need meat. The birds fly in. They need water. The rock opens up in the midst of a dreary and desolate land. The Lord is able. And there's that sense. So if, Mo if the Lord was with Moses like this, what is he going to do? And what is going to be seen in the future? As I was, so I will be. 
Well, and we get even more. Like, Joshua had a sense of being able to look back and have redemptive history up to then. We get even more. We see that as the Lord was, so he has continued to be in his faithfulness. We see his faithfulness year after year in that he, he sustains his people. And if you ever read the Bible and think that it's a story about people that are above average in obedience and above average in faith, I think you're reading the wrong book. It's a story about a God who won't let them go. And the fact that Joshua is even standing there is a story about a God who won't let them go. And as history has unfolded, what the Lord has done and what the Lord will continue to do is to keep his promises. Even as he promised the land to the Israelites, he was not going to allow their rebellion to stop him from faithfulness. And we can see that in the story of the gospel. Jesus was not going to let the lack of faith on the part of his disciples keep him or keep them from grasping how great his love and salvation were for them. And we can be confident, even as he has promised to us, even as his future grace we pull into the future, that's what I think promise, God's promises are about, really. It's, it's seeing the future promise and saying, I know that it is true and it applies to my life right now. And there are kind of two concepts I want to just weave in there as well. Within the concept of promise is also providence. Providence is the way that God makes his promises happen. And maybe you can think of the places and the things in your life. The, the, the people you met by, by chance, that somehow the Lord has used to have a huge impact in your life. Maybe you might think of the relationships you have, the job that God has given you, the other realities of your life. There, there's no such thing as chance. I jokingly say, my wife and I, well, this isn't a joke. We did meet on eHarmony.com way back in the day. It probably doesn't even exist anymore, for all I know. Um, but, I mean, they sent me 80 matches on day one, and she was the first one. I always thought you started at the top of the list. But I always thought, you know, like, how different might my life be if some computer algorithm had rearranged things so that she was number 72 on the list? And maybe that's a, a strange or trivial example, but the Lord knows computer algorithms. Like, there, there's no such thing as chance. So as the Lord has been, no matter what is going on in your life, he'll keep being faithful. As one theologian used the analogy of the hound of heaven, it chases you down. No matter how hard you try to run, the Lord keeps chasing 
you down. So I want you to see God's promise with clarity this afternoon. And that all of his promises are yes and amen for you in Christ Jesus. And so I hope that begins to work on that question of, so how can I have courage? Because I know that God's promise to me will not come up void. I know that his promise to be faithful and to redeem me will be carried out in Jesus Christ. We can also have courage because of God's purposes. Now, what is a, a purpose, after all? It's the use of something. You know, the purpose of the 15-passenger van is to get all of the children to school in the morning, to, to get the family places. Things have a purpose. And the Lord has a purpose for his servants. I appreciate the theologian Francis Schaeffer who made the statement, there are no little people and there are no little places. It isn't that we're just somehow little, little irrelevant or unimportant people. We are people whose God's presence is with us. What does that look like? Well, sometimes I think it means a whole lot more than we think. And in order to kind of set that up, I want to share a story of a, a young man. His name was Martin. And when he was 12 years old, he experienced a, a medical issue where he had an infection in his brain. And so what happened to him is that his body systematically shut down. So he couldn't think anymore. He became more or less a vegetable. But then what happened after about a year is his brain began to weave itself back together. And again, the Lord can do amazing things in healing people. But what happened was that he was able to know and see and understand, but he was not able to communicate that. And I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what he said. Is he said, it was as if I was present, but I was not there. And people did terrible things in front of me and said terrible things in front of me and did terrible things to me. And I couldn't respond to them in any way, but I knew and I saw. And sometimes I think that the idea of God being active and using us has become a foreign concept for us. And we think of God kind of like, you know, a piece of the wall. His presence is there, but it is not an active presence. But if you're Joshua, you can't be thinking about a, a God who is distant. Because you're walking into your enemy's stronghold. You're walking into the land of Canaan where the people are bigger and the cities are more fortified. And this, this is, you know, the rebellion against Moses was not without reason. 
This was going to be a hard task. And sometimes we break tasks down. Maybe some of you use SMART goals in your life, I don't know. And I, I like SMART goals personally. But there's this idea that we break it down into what we can do. And if we think we can't do it, then it probably can't be done. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're saying, God is, God is like that piece of the wall or he's a music stand. We know he's present and we know he's here, but we don't expect him to actually do anything for us. Now, make no mistake, God has plenty of things that he wants Joshua to do. There is no call for passivity here. There's no call to, oh, I'm going to just not do anything and let God fix it all for me. But there is this overwhelming sense, and it's pounded. Maybe you notice that in our text. It's being said again and again, have courage. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. His purposes are to be present in your life. And I want you to just personally just think, where do I need that? What is the struggle in my life that I feel like I am failing at? There, there are struggles that are common to our moment in time. Certainly as a, as a counselor, um, I appreciate the, the challenge of pornography that confronts our world today and so many people. And it, it feels like a problem that so many people are just defeated by. Like, is there even a way to face this? Is there even a way to overcome it? And with the Lord's presence and with his power, and yes, when the Lord gives a task he calls you to work at it. But it's possible for sin to be overcome. Whatever it might be in your life that rises to the top of that list of this is a challenge that just seems like it's not being overcome. Say, I know the Lord is present. And I know that he wants me to learn of his grace in the midst of this challenge. And I know that his presence means that it is possible to not sin. But God's purposes, in some sense, they have, as our text would say, a prescription. What's the prescription? Verses 7 and 8. Be careful to do according to the law that my Moses, servant command, Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There isn't a subjective standard. There's an objective one. And... No, the Bible is not talking about politics. It's not saying, you know, don't be too conservative or too liberal. Rather, I think it's talking about the idea that you don't take any way, anything away from what God says, and you don't add anything to it either. 
That's kind of the, the dire warning at the very end of Revelation, right? Don't take anything. Don't add anything. Stick with God's word. And for, for Daniel, if you could just imagine him in Babylon, he would have grown up in a Jewish home, and even the nominal Jewish homes of then, and even now, there would have been an immediate frame of reference for this text, and it would have been Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these things that I command you, it goes on to teach them to your children, to your grandchildren. And there's this sense that, that God's law is this not a legalistic thing. Oh, I have to follow that. I know I could get that sometimes from my kids. Oh, come on. Like, do I have to do that? Yeah, you do. But there's a sense that God's law and his truth and his word are for our good. And if we want to understand where our purposes fit in his purposes, we can't do that on our own. That is why there is the church. That is, in a sense, why you have each other. Why the body of Christ has the, the broader body of Christ. There, there is that unity and that purpose that comes around God's prescription for godly living in his word. For young Jewish men that would have lived around the time of Daniel, they would have grown up memorizing parts of the book of Deuteronomy, if not the entire book. They would have walked around with a little packet, with a little tiny scroll or something, and all of these different verses that they had to memorize so that they would meditate on God's law. And I've come to appreciate over time how what you think about shapes how you live. And maybe, maybe you might think, just, just think of your own life for a minute. Like, how do you spend your time? What TV shows do you watch? What blogs or podcasts do you watch? Where do you get your news? How much time do you spend on all of that? Those things are profoundly shaping for life. They, they simply are. And God's law is profoundly shaping for God's people. And don't ever live your life thinking that the culture around you doesn't influence you but always live your life thinking, I've got to have God's truth constantly influencing me. I need to constantly be, be thinking about it. And I, I've come to appreciate, and I, I appreciated um, how we read the Apostles' Creed. What does that do? It's, it shapes us. Who are we a part of? We're, we're a part of this grand army throughout time. And, you know, people have been reading the Apostles' Creed for 1,500 years or more, right? But there's that sense of unity with the church on earth, people in heaven, that we gather around the truth of God's word. And so I would just challenge you. 
for 2022 for all of the New Year's resolutions that have already crashed and burned. <laughs> Don't make it a resolution so that it'll crash and burn. Make it a habit that I will every day dedicate my time to meditating on God's word, allowing it to impact me. And what that does, and what you'll see to begin to happen in your life, is a sense of discernment. A sense of being able to, to see things more clearly. Not because you're better, but because God's word is better than whatever else is trying to shape you. And it has a greater impact. Because God's agenda is not to sell you anything. Sometimes I think in our world there are so many voices trying to sell us things. Whether it's material goods or worldviews or whatever else, all of these voices are yelling at us. And maybe in our polit current political climate, those voices have sadly only become louder and more shrill. And I hope that you along with me mourn that reality in our culture. That, that civil discourse seems to not happen in the way that it should. We, we should mourn that. But it's so easy to get pulled into that, too. It's the clickbait, you know? It pulls us in. Get pulled into something greater. So courage is built on God's promises. It's built on God's purposes. And then closely related, it's built on God's purity. And this one is a little less obvious, but I had to make the outline all P's so that it alliterated nicely. So, you know, give the preacher some slack. So what's the idea here? God isn't just speaking to Moses or to Joshua, sorry, to Joshua. He's saying this courage, this godly living, it needs to be for all of you. And so what do we see Joshua doing? Once he gets the message from the Lord, he says, I'm going to tell the people. And in particular, the target of the message are these two and a half tribes. And if I were more creative and clever with a PowerPoint, there'd be a really cool, you know, map up there of Canaan. But there's this river and the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee that kind of runs down the middle of it, right? And they didn't have uh, long bridges like they do today. And so it, it was a significant obstacle. And so two and a half tribes were on one side of the Jordan River, and the other nine and a half are on the other side. And the message that is underneath what Joshua is saying is, don't forget that you also, even though you live somewhere else, that you still belong to the Lord. Do, do, don't abandon the nine and a half tribes and go off and do your own thing. But continue to faithfully carry out the job that God has given you. And I think one of the, the greatest challenges that, that is, is really, there's a lot of pull in our culture around this. Um, one of the greatest challenges is comfort. And it's so easy to fall into patterns of being comfortable and for that to simply result in spiritual disintegration. 
or or lapsing of spiritual beliefs or practices. And this is actually a pattern for the Israelites throughout time, is that they have different people in different places doing different things. When Israel and Judah divided, the king of the north set up his own shrine and his own golden calf um, in Samaria, and there were all sorts of issues. And Joshua is saying, don't forget who you are. Don't stop serving together with others. And I just, I love the response of the people. And this is like every pastor on the planet, like this, this is, they pray for this, right? <laughs> like stick with the task. Don't abandon it. God is with us. And what do the people say? They say, we're in it. <laughs> Count us in. May destruction come our way if we do not fulfill what the Lord has told us to do through you. And may the Lord give you courage for your work. And this is, this is something really beautiful, and I hope that you know this. And, and if you don't know it, pray to the Lord. Could it be part of my reality that I have people in my life, godly people, who say, let's together storm, storm the gates of hell. Let's together look at the impossible task and believe that with God's help, it could be done. And more than that, with God's help, it will be done. And what is the impossible task? The impossible task is faithfulness. And Joshua had to understand, even as the last verses, as the people said, May God be with you as he was with Moses. And he said, as we obeyed Moses, we'll obey you. There had to have been that sense of, let's do better than that. But God keeps coming. God keeps being faithful. God keeps enabling his people to pursue him in a way that honors him. And for us to be able to say, We've been saved. That call to renewal, that call to faithfulness, it's, it's enabled by grace through faith. And so I want to finish with this. Courage is possible. And I want you to just kind of go through your mind again. What are the what are the places? where you need courage. Then I want you to, to think of these, these concepts from this text. How will God's promises give me courage? Maybe God's promise would give me courage to, to try again with somebody that there's a broken relationship with. That's, that seems like it couldn't be mended. 
Maybe it would give me the humility to realize that it's not me that fixes it, but God can do things far beyond what I could ask or imagine. And so what I'll do is I'll believe that since God in the past has been at work to mend relationships in my life, maybe he could do that in this too. I can pray, God, would you give the opportunity for me to, to go to that person? And one of the hardest things to have courage is when we know we've done wrong. And to have that courage to go to somebody and say, I know I've wronged you. Will you please forgive me? Do you believe that God, God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus for you? You can have that, that courage. As you think of God's purpose for your life, there are always those challenges of, well, what would he have me to do? And there are questions of, of relationships, of work, of education, all those sorts of things that sometimes our, our minds just spin. Like, what is God's will for this? And sometimes in the midst of, of trying to dissect all the different choices or options or, or things that might be going on, we need to just pause and say, now wait a minute. I know that what God is doing is to work out his purposes in and through his servants. I know that he's present with me and... I know that if I make a good choice or a terrible choice, he is still there. And I hope it gives you, a, a, in a sense, the peace to, to, the peace and the courage to act. And here, here's the funny thing, and I don't claim to be old, but I, I come to, I, I always hope I learn things. I've come to appreciate as life ha, has come at me, that, that sometimes when you make a decision and it doesn't turn out right, that doesn't mean it was wrong. <laughs> and maybe, I know that's still, as I say it, that's hard for me to even get my mind around. But when you choose to be faithful and the result is not human success or the things that you hoped for, You can, in that moment, you can sit there and say, God is here. Just as Ed, as he's sitting in that hospital room in, in Delaware, expecting to meet the Lord today, that he, he is able to, to say, I know the Lord is with me. For all of the things that don't turn out right, we can still have courage because the Lord is still present. And maybe there's work that you need. And... Honestly, this is the other thing about getting old. I've discovered that I'm far worse off than I ever thought. I used to think that I had things more together, and now I realize I'm just really a train wreck. But that's okay. What the Lord does is he, he works, and he gives us that, that call. Keep coming. Keep worshiping. Keep learning. Keep being a part of a body. And together, it isn't Joshua alone that's being sent out here. It's God's people together that are being sent out. So certainly that has an individual element, but for you today, my challenge is simply this. Whatever it is that the Lord has placed in front of you, 
for the year of our Lord 2022. Go with courage, knowing his promises, his presence, and that through Jesus you have purity and you're made a part of the body of Christ and together God calls you. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you. I just thank you for the privilege that you gave me this afternoon, and it's always a privilege to open your word. And so uh, I thank you for the attentive listening, and I just pray that your spirit uh, would enable every one of us not to, not to leave here as we came, but rather that you would um, enable us by your grace and through your word and through our worship um, to be drawn in this day a little closer to you. Um, for all the challenges that each one of us faces, help us to know your grace. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his name, and all God's people said, amen. Have some time in prayers together before I uh, ask Pastor Luke to come back up and uh, give us benediction and um, close in prayer for us. Um, I think one thing that I, one image rather, that I had while I was listening to um, the word was uh, a grocery store. Um, sounds weird at first, but I think, you know, when we're, whenever we go to a grocery store or any store, uh, there's a lot of options, right? Uh, sometimes we know what we want, uh, which brand and which product, but sometimes, you know, when we try to pick one uh, out of many options, uh, we feel lost. Um, I think perhaps this day and age, um, or even in our individual lives, maybe some of us feel that way. Um, just feel aimless. Um, you have a job, you have a calling, so you do your thing every single day, follow your schedule. But at the end, you, you feel uh, aimless and purposeless. Something, you just feel empty somewhere. Uh, I think. When we feel that way, that's perhaps uh, a sign that we're being drifted away um, in our lives, um, subtly but surely, um, by things of the world, uh, you know, by our own um, you know, self-centered goals that we have. Um, but whenever we come together as a church, uh, you know, when we hear the word, um, I mean, Pastor Luke even talked about Apostles' Creed when we sing together and, you know, soon we'll start resume our, you know, life groups too, right? Um, whenever we come as a church, hear from one another, I think that's, uh, you know, God's grace, means of grace in, you know, pulling us back on track so we can follow the right goal, right direction and being faithful in that. And I really appreciated um, Pastor Luke's sermon uh, in that regard that, man, you know, we are God's army that he put together. Um, but we're not an army that it's just, you know, abandoned somewhere, but God is here with us, that he's pulling us, guiding us, encouraging us. Whenever we fail, we don't get shame, but we get encouragement and grace to come back. 
And that's why we're here right now. And I don't know about you as a church. I'm excited and encouraged to um, you know, embark on this new year with that mindset that we are here together for that purpose of being restored, rejuvenated, and back on track to follow God's goal. So could we pray together before uh, Pastor Lu comes up? Uh, just pray, asking God to give us strength, give us grace especially. We all come here. I don't know about you, but I come here to church with so many regrets and so many discouragements and you know failures that I that I know I experienced and committed with my own you know selfishness and foolishness in my life. God, I need your grace. God, I need your comforting um, you know, uh, presence, empowerment. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And as you do that, as you pray for yourself, could you also pray for the church too, our church that you know, we will um, you know, start this year with that mindset of encouraging one another to come back on track to God's direction to be faithful. Could we do that? Uh, just for uh, just maybe a minute or two and then I'll Pastor will go close in prayer for us. Let's pray. It's a privilege to send you out with God's blessing. And remember that you are created in God's image with dignity and purpose. And that God's promises are yes and amen for you in Jesus Christ. And that he will do immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine in Jesus. One day you'll be presented before the throne of God spotless because of the work of Jesus' blood, because of what Jesus has done for you. You are never alone. Receive God's blessing. May the love, the never-stopping, never-giving-up love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the encouragement and comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you today and forever. And God's people said, Amen.